This is the Lord's Day that we'll be looking at in our sermon. So I invite you to read questions 113 through 115 responsively with me. What is God's will for you in the Tenth Commandment? That not even the slightest desire or thought contrary to any one of God's commandments should ever arise in our hearts. Rather, with all our hearts, we should always hate sin and delight in all righteousness. But can those converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? No, in this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of disobedience. Nevertheless, with all seriousness of purpose, they do begin to live according to all, not only some of God's commandments. Since no one in this life can keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, why does God want them preached so pointedly? First, so that all our life long, we may more and more come to know our sinful nature, and thus more eagerly seek the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. Second, so that we may never stop striving and never stop praying to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit, so that we may be renewed more and more after God's image, until after this life we reach our goal, perfection. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him for His help. Almighty and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that we are sinners, conceived and born in sin, unable of ourselves to do any good. But we do repent of our sins and we seek your grace to help us in our remaining weaknesses. Through the teaching of your word, which we confess with the church throughout the ages, satisfy our hunger and quench our thirst with your refreshing truth. That we with all our hearts may love and serve you with our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, the one and only true God who lives and reigns forever and ever. And all God's people said, We've been looking at the Ten Commandments for the last several weeks, learning what God's holy will is for your life. If you've ever asked the question, what does God want me to do? Look no further than the Ten Commandments. It is a merciful thing that God has summarized His law for us, which is extensive, which is bound up in who God actually is, into these ten very basic ones. And Jesus has summarized them even further into two. You should love the Lord your God and you should love your neighbor as yourself. If you've ever asked, what does God want me to do? It is the commandments of God. That is his will. That is his will. He has told us the very basics. But it's not just about doing what God requires. It is about responding to his grace in the gospel. That is what our obedience is bound up in. You remember that uh, with this catechism being new to us as a new congregation, this, the catechism is in three parts, guilt, grace, and gratitude, and we are firmly in the gratitude section. So our very catechism by its structure teaches us that you are not saved by your works, but rather your works follow being saved with all your life. 
And with all your obedience, you say thank you to God in gratitude for what he has done for you in the gospel. And so we remember that uh, once again today as we come to the 10th and final commandment. That commandment tells us that we are not to covet anything that is our neighbor's. Not uh, his house or possessions, his spouse, anything that belongs to our neighbor. And like all the commandments, it is both simple and straightforward. And we profit from it by hearing it in its most basic form. But it is also profound. So let's, let's see what this commandment is all about. And then we're going to think through why we've been listening to sermons on the law in the first place. So some reflections on this 10th commandment and then some more broad and general comments about uh, preaching the commandments altogether. The first reflection this morning is for us to realize that there is a connection between coveting and idolatry. Coveting and idolatry. In the Bible, covetousness is described in basically two different directions. And both of them have to do with what you want. It has to do with desire. When the serpent tempted Eve, he did so by emphasizing the desirability of the fruit of the tree. And she saw that it was desirable for eating and that it would make her wise. Well, you know, the fruit in and of itself was not wicked. It came from God. It was her desire for it when it was prohibited. That's what made it uh, not just a general desire, certainly not a godly one, but a covetousness desire. Um, Coveting is either when you want something that you shouldn't have or when you want something more than you want God. Those are the two main directions that coveting goes in. You want something you shouldn't have, God says no, and you want it anyway. Or it's something good that God has made and you want it and love it so much that you, uh, you, you, you replace it, you replace God with it. Now, what's, what's kind of amazing about this is that it is awfully similar to the first commandment about not having any other gods besides the one true God. The difference is that this commandment, the 10th commandment about coveting, speaks of idolatry in terms of desire. It's a little more concrete. It's in the second table of the law having to do with loving our neighbor. Idolatry, that first commandment, is that chief commandment having to do with our worship and obedience to God. And now here this last one is connected to that first one, but it has to do primarily with how we treat our neighbor. But the point here is to see this deep connection between coveting something and turning it into an idol. And this is found clearly in Scripture. We're not just kind of theologizing freely here. It's really clear in Scripture. As we saw in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. He unites them together as plain as day. He does it again in Ephesians. Now, take this in. Because this, can, this is helpful for transforming our understanding of the commandments. And it helps us to see the, the connection, not just between these two commandments in particular, but how when our relationship to the Lord is askew, when it's gotten twisted by something, then all the other commandments become twisted as well. So we have to take in this connection between the first and the tenth commandment. And if you were to keep these two, then all the others 
will fall in line. If you are to keep these two commandments, all the others will fall in line. For instance, the third commandment, which is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Well, blasphemy, which is what that commandment is about, Oh, what is that other than idolizing something that isn't God? Or dethroning God and treating his name as not as worthy of, re- of, of worship and reverence as it actually is. How about murder? Uh, what is murder but making an idol out of your hatred for someone? What is adultery but coveting someone else's spouse? You see, these two commandments anchor us so that if we hold these two in our hearts to hold up the Lord God and him alone as our one true and living God and to keep ourselves away from uh, ungodly desires, the other commandments end up falling in line. And this is why the commandments act as perfect bookends to the ten. It's also why the catechism sums it up by saying not even the slightest desire or thought to any one of God's commandments should ever arise in our hearts. That's how our catechism interprets the, this, this commandment. It's kind of a capstone. It, it does some summarizing for us. Instead, instead of allowing ungodly desires to arise in our hearts, and, and uh, all the more so should we put to death acting upon those ungodly desires, rather than doing that with renewed hearts, We are to delight in what God has provided for us. We delight in God's provision. We delight with contentedness and with thanksgiving in every good gift that he has given given to us from above. Chiefly, the giving of himself. Today, especially today, put this delight into practice. Whatever you gain today, receive it with glad and content hearts. Children, I'm speaking to you as well. Whatever you open up today, receive it with glad and thankful hearts. There is nothing to complain about today. There are many people in the world who have far less, far less. We live better than most kings have ever lived. That is the truth. We live better than most kings have ever lived. And today is just all the more abundant blessing, the enjoyment of so many good gifts. Don't treat your presence as more important than the Lord Jesus, kids. It is easy to do that because they are new, they are shiny, they make noise, unfortunately. (laughs) Don't treat them as better than Jesus or other people, but kids and and grown-ups as well. Be thankful to the Lord for the good things that he gives and, and don't... Uh, with an inordinate or ungodly desire, uh, enjoy those things today. A second reflection is the connection between conversion and obedience. The Catechism goes on in question 114, and it asks, can those converted to God keep these commandments perfectly? Can those converted to God keep the commandments perfectly? Now, we have to remember how we began this series 12 weeks ago. Because we had a couple of weeks before we got to the commandments to talk about what it meant to be alive in Christ. It is those who are alive in Christ who now have the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to obey him. Um, And so we remember back in question 88, one of the early questions in this series, 
it says, what is involved in genuine repentance or conversion? All right, so we're thinking about the same folks, those who have been converted to God, who have turned to him in true faith. The question is answered, the dying away of the old self and the rising to life of the new. You remember that from several weeks ago? Those are the two parts of conversion. The dying away of the old self, the rising to life of the new. You have died to sin. And so it is no longer your master. And you've died to sin because you have a union, a precious and vital union to Jesus Christ who has died in your place. That's why Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. You have died and you've been raised and that is what true conversion looks like. Looks like, And a converted life is a life of obedience. A converted life is a life of obedience. We said so many weeks ago when we looked at those questions that that word conversion gets thrown around. If somebody gets interested in a new religion, maybe they want to start dabbling in it, practicing it, and they say, I've converted. But the Christian faith says... That conversion is a gracious work of the Holy Spirit to bring us up out of the pit. To orient us now to Jesus Christ, who has been crucified for us and raised for us. And so we want to obey. Converted life is an obedient life. Is it perfect obedience? Not even close. (laughs) Not even close. The catechism says, not even the holiest. In this life, not even the holiest will be able to live that perfect life. But it is a serious obedience. It is not perfect, but it is serious. With all seriousness of purpose, the catechism goes on to say, those who are converted to God do begin to live according to all, not only some of God's commandments. This is why Paul speaks the way that he does in Colossians chapter 3 that we read earlier. His argument is that if you have been raised, you must now put to death the sins of the flesh and begin practicing righteousness. He says, if you've been raised with Christ, you have to seek the things that are above, not the things of the flesh or sinful nature. So he says, some things have to be put to death. Some things have to be made alive. Some things got to be put off. Some things have to be put on. And that's what we do with the commandments. The commandments of the Lord are that easy yoke and light burden that Jesus Christ gives to us. So we delight as those who have now been converted to God and raised from death to life. We delight to do the commandments of the Lord with seriousness of purpose, though we do not do them perfectly. We put on kindness and humility, forgiveness. So brothers and sisters, as those who have this precious union with Christ, who are dead to sin through his death and are alive through his resurrection, lay waste to your wicked desires, which become covetousness. That's what that is. Lay waste to them with God's word and by his Holy Spirit and with the help of your brothers and sisters in Christ turn your covetousness into thankfulness and as you put covetousness and idolatry away obedience to all the commandments will begin to follow a final reflection this morning 
is that there is a connection between failure and forgiveness. Failure and forgiveness. Now, everything we've just been talking about, about having the seriousness of purpose and putting on the, the virtues of the Christian faith, um, we fail badly at this every day. Sin against the Lord in thought and word and in deed. Um, again, we just, the, we, I love the uh, candidness, the, the realism, the truth of the, of the catechism. When it says, in this life, even the holiest have only a small beginning of this obedience. The great saints of the past that you read about and you, can, you consider to be heroes in one way or the other. Paul included. They had a small beginning of this obedience. Or the people in your life that you look up to, they're, they're a, uh, an example of godliness. They know how to pray. They know how to serve. They know how to walk with humility. They, too, have only a small beginning of this obedience. Why? Well, for at least two reasons. One is that we are that sinful, but also because the righteous commandments of God are really that righteous and holy. And we fall so far short. So we fail badly at this. And even the holiest among us have a small beginning. What are the two main reasons that our catechism gives for, uh, for preaching these commandments then? Is it then that we would just be burdened all the time and every day just our heads are in, in the dirt and we feel like we are not loved by God? Not at all. Not at all. The catechism rather gives two reasons. There's a seeking and a striving. A seeking and a striving. The first reason is that we would learn to seek for forgiveness in the midst of our failures. So we do not believe in this onward and upward triumphant life of perfection. We don't believe in that. We believe that sin has really affected our whole selves and that Christ saves those who are willing to admit this and turn to him with a true and living faith. God, the Holy Spirit, uses the commandments to open our eyes to our failures and to lead us back into the loving arms of Christ. This is, you know, this is our pathway back to assurance, back to confidence in the Savior, back to Christ himself. That is how we seek the amazing gift of forgiveness. Another reason is that we not only seek, but we would strive. And we would strive for renewal. Strive for renewal. The commandments help us to see how much we need to lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. There is not a second that goes by that we are not dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Not one second. And He must daily renew us. And so without this law, without these commandments coming to us, there is no awareness of sin. And therefore, we don't recognize our need to strive and to seek as we ought. So remember this commandment today, brothers and sisters. Covetousness is not, it's not a small matter it is a damnable idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. And Paul says, it is on account of these things that the wrath of God is coming. So put these sins to death. Coveting is to desire what God forbids or, or to desire things more than you desire God. But by the precious blood of Christ and the gracious spirit of God, renewal is yours. Renewals is yours. So lean on the Savior. Ask for the Spirit's help. Do it today and learn to walk in all of God's commandments. Amen. Let us pray.
Our gracious God, you build your church on the foundation of the doctrine of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And so we pray that you would bless our congregation to grow in their teaching. Assist us in meditating with joy on your mighty acts. Enlighten our minds more and more with the light of the everlasting gospel. Kindle in our hearts a love of your truth. Nourish us with the full counsel of the word of God. Enable us to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And defend us from the sins of heresy and schism. And as we have heard the true doctrine proclaimed to us, by your great blessing may it be preserved among us and propagated through us by our lips and our lives to the glory of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.